Well, this morning, I think we're in the last sermon in this section, but we are going to be looking at uh, John chapter 2, verses 28 through John chapter 3, verse 10. I want to read all of it, but we're going to emphasize and focus this morning on 28. And now, uh, and now little children, abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone... Who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins. And in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. And no one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. And I said I wanted to focus on the 28th verse of uh, the second chapter. And now, little children, abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. There is a command here. Abide. But it is not a burdensome command. And unfortunately, many Christians in the Western culture and in today's world, at least the the, the last 30 years or so for me, there has been almost a... um, how do I say it? A, a, a false guilt placed on Christians when it comes to this concept of following the command of abiding in Him. And I want to I want to look at that um, a little bit in depth this morning. I'm sure you've heard in Hebrews chapter ten, verse twenty four or twenty five, where it says. Forsake not the assembling together of believers as some are in the habit of doing. And people have literally used that verse to beat other Christians up. When someone chooses not to come to church on a Sunday morning, what normally happens is the next few days, someone in the church calls them. Hey, we missed you. But it's not a, are you okay call. It's a, hey, we missed you. You're not supposed to forsake the gathering together of believers. 
And there's, a, there's this guilt and shame that gets put on people. There is a sense of, oh, I didn't do my morning devotions this morning because I was just so tired and I just couldn't get up after the alarm went off. So I laid in bed and just rested for a few more minutes. But then I had no more time. So I had to get up and shower and get dressed and get on the road because I had to be at work. So I didn't have time to have devotions. I feel so bad. Why do people keep this on themselves? Because literally, what does it do to you? I mean, myself included, I have had a a crazy couple of weeks. And I like to journal. I'm not commanded to journal, but it's something that I like to do. So I, yesterday, when I was having my devotions late in the day, because I didn't have my devotions first thing in the morning, because I got other things I had to do first, and I felt guilty about that, I opened up my journal... And I always try when I journal, I go back a day or so and read just where I was, just trying to get myself in my mindset of where I was and how I want to continue to, to talk. And I, I, I was very conscious of the fact that it had been 10 days since I had last journaled. And there was this sense of, I'm not being faithful to my journaling. Well, who do I owe, owe journaling to? I mean, I didn't make a promise to God that I'm going to journal every single day of my life. I didn't do that. This is something I choose to do because I enjoy it. But now I'm making it a burden. Now it's, oh, I have to feel bad because I didn't journal last day, the day before and the day before. But the enemy tries to make us feel bad. You know, I, I, had a, I have a brother-in-law Years and years and years and years ago, living in the Bible Belt. So that explains it, because it was the Bible Belt. And he and his family went to church, went to Sunday school, went to church. Then they went out to dinner at a restaurant. And then they went home and changed clothes. And they went out golfing for the afternoon. And then they came back home and changed their clothes. And then they went to church that evening. And when they were at church that evening in this church in the Bible Belt, and one of the members of the congregation found out that my brother-in-law took his family golfing on the Sabbath, he read him the riot act. And my brother-in-law, angry, (laughs) but trying to control it, looked at this person and he said, I was in Sunday school this morning with my family. Then I served the Lord during the worship service by running the sound booth. Then we ate a meal. Then we spent the afternoon as a family together relaxing and enjoying each other's company. And then we took the time to go home, change our clothes, and come back to an evening worship service. And you're going to give me grief? Because I chose to spend a few hours on a Sunday with my family doing something that we all enjoy? What is wrong with you? But you see, that's where we are in this idea of abiding. We, We think to abide, we have to be disciplined. And we have to apply ourselves. And we can't fail, because if we fail, then we're failures. And then the enemy sucks the joy out of actually sitting down and opening the word of God. Because instead of enjoying the fact that I'm opening up God's word and communing with God for a few minutes, I'm feeling guilty because I haven't journaled for 10 days. 
That is not abiding in him. That is guilt. That is false guilt. That is shame that you don't own. And what's really crazy? Read this verse again. And now, little children, abide in him so that when he appears to you, we may have confidence and not shrink in shame from him. Our whole point in abiding is to have our relationship with God so good, so rich, so full, so life-giving that when he comes, we don't, like Adam and Eve, run and hide in the trees for fear that we were naked and we're being exposed, but indeed we run to him with our eyes, arms wide open, a smile in our mouth, Jesus, Jesus. Now, I want to look at this word abide. I could have gone all different places in the Bible because the word abide here is a Greek word meno, which pretty much is the same every time you see the word abide in the New Testament. So the word, whenever you see the word abide in the New Testament, you can pretty much count that it's exactly the same Greek word, meno. Which, I don't think I can pull it up real quick. I might be able to. Let me see if I've still got it. I had it. Um, here we go. Yeah, search for that. And then it was in... Where was it? Anyway, I can't find it. I had a note here in my Bible uh, app that that I read this morning as I was preparing this, uh, for, for, to reflect, getting my heart ready for this service. It said that Mino, the de- definition of Mino is... Uh, oh, here, here it is. I know how to find it. Um, it's not search. It's just looking up the definition. Here it is. It says, abide or to remain when in reference to a state or condition is to remain as one not to become another or to become different. In other words, abide means to be one with, to remain as one, to not allow yourself to become differentiated or separated, but to remain as one. That's a pretty, pretty powerful image. So we're being commanded as Christians, as children of God, to abide in him. To in somehow, some way, join ourselves to God in a way that we then remain as one with Him, not to become differentiated from Him. Now, if you look in the following page in your Bible, John chapter, first John chapter four, verses fourteen and fifteen, John says. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So, one of the scholars that I read said that to abide in God means to acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God and then To own him as your savior. That's what it means to abide in him. 
It's not a laundry list of you've got a journal three pages every single week or every single day, and you've got to read 25 chapters of the, of the Bible, and you've got to, and you've got to, and be in church every time the doors are... None of that is what me, abiding means. Abiding is simply acknowledging and knowing, A, that there's a God, B, that, that I've sinned and I've, I've violated my relationship with this God and so I have to make it right, but I can't make it right. The only way I can make it right is to acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God and to confess and repent of my sin and own Him as my Savior. If you go back to Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, if we confess our sin, I mean, uh, I can't say, I'm saying the wrong one now. Um, if you believe in your heart, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So abiding in God and God abiding in you, joining yourself to God, becoming one with God, is simply believing the gospel. Jesus is the Son of God. And he has saved me from my sins because of his sacrifice on the cross, because of his death and resurrection. And he is now seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty as my advocate, as my mediator, so that when and if I ever sin, as we read in chapter 2 of 1 John just a few weeks ago, if I ever sin, I have someone I can turn to and say, help me, I messed up. Please forgive me. So this abiding is simply believing that Jesus is the Son of God and having Him as your Savior. But there's more to it than that. And unfortunately, John didn't put it in this letter, but John did record it in his Gospel. So if you'll turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 15. We're going to read through... Uh, only, we're only going to read one verse. You can read through the whole thing yourself, because we read it this morning at the very beginning of our service. But if you'll look with me at John chapter 15, verse 5. It says in verse 5, this is Jesus speaking, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So if I want to bear fruit, and what kind of fruit would I be bearing? Fruit that would then advance the kingdom of God. Fruit that would help people see my life and, and bring glory to God as a result of seeing my life. Maybe it would be fruit would be leading someone to Christ, or maybe fruit would be discipling another early new believer. Maybe fruit would be having the gift of, of giving and giving to support a ministry. Maybe fruit would be I am very gifted with, with numbers and so I'm able to come alongside a ministry and help them do their books or maybe I'm gifted in the area of crafts and so God can use me to bless someone else by making a beautiful piece of art that I can then give to bring joy to somebody else's life. Whatever God chooses to do with you, God can bring about fruit in your life so that the kingdom of God can be advanced so that God's name can be glorified. So Jesus said, if you abide in me and I in you, then you will bear much fruit. When you are differentiated from me, no longer abiding with me, have become separate from me, that you can do nothing. Now, uh, one of the scholars that I read said in relation to that 
idea of coming apart from God, separating from God, no longer abiding in God, uh, and, and Jesus' declaration that we do, we can do nothing apart from Him. His words were, faith without love would be dead, but love without faith would be empty humanism. Faith without love would be dead. But love without faith would be empty humanism. See, non-Christians can love. But what benefit does it bring to the object of their love? What benefit does it bring to the kingdom of God? What benefit does it bring to the plan and purposes of God for their life? But if you have faith and you're in right relationship with God and you are abiding in him and then love, that's when you can be selfless in your love. That's when you can see miraculous things happen as a result. And it's all from this promise in John chapter 15, verse 5. If you abide in me and I abide in you, you will bear much fruit. I am not a gardener. I am not anyone to talk to when it comes to how to help plants thrive. However, I've learned just a tiny little bit. So I'm going to share the tiny little bit that I've learned and you can giggle and laugh when I make mistakes. And then you can go talk with Wayne and Renee who ran a landscaping company for years. Okay? Or anybody else who's a gardener in this community. One of the things that the images that I had when I was uh, reading through this chapter 15 and and also this idea of abiding and staying connected the very first image that I had in my mind was when I was a child I can remember breaking a, 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 a twig I think of twigs as this big but it was a twig this big it wasn't a full branch but it was just a twig and it was covered with a couple three leaves It was probably a maple or an oak because I was living in the East Coast in the northern part of the country. And I can remember as a kid breaking that live twig off the tree. And so all of the leaves were green and all of the, there there was sap coming out of the twig where, where I had broken it. And I can remember peeling back the leaves from the connecting point on the twig. And if you've ever done that or seen that, there's literally like an almost like a little oval shaped scar that you leave where there's no bark. Because that was where the, 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 the stem of the leaf connected to the twig. And that was where all the nutrients went back and forth. That's where the, all of the stuff went up to the leaf. And that's when photosynthesis took place in the leaf and it came back down and fed the tree. That spot was where all of that passed back and forth. But when I peeled it away, that connection was broken. There could no longer be any kind of passing and giving of sustenance in life. Of course, when I broke the twig off, same thing. But that was the image that I had in my head when I was reading this. And I I, I literally went on to Google and I said, what is the connecting point of a branch with a tree called? Because I didn't know. So I Googled. And thankfully, somebody put it on the internet. And I don't know if you're going to be able to see it really well on this, but on the left-hand side of your screen, you're going to see the trunk of a tree. Then 
on the right-hand side of that trunk, you're going to see a green shoot, a twig coming out. It's the, a baby branch, if you will. And anybody who knows gardening and, 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 and botany can tell you exactly what the term is that for that. And you see a leaf attached to that twig or that tiny little branch. But look at the connecting point between the green branch or the green twig and the actual trunk of the tree. See how the trunk of the tree kind of spikes out just a tiny little bit? And if you'll notice on the face of that trunk in the center, closer to the side of the screen, you see two white dots. That's where they've cut off those little branches from that thing. And now you see what's left, which is a part of bark almost, that has come up around the base of what was the, tri- the, 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 the little, um, little twig. And they cut it off. Now, what I learned in the reading was that when you're pruning a tree, you don't want to cut into that little barky thing that's at the bottom of the branch. That's called the branch collar. And it's part of the tree, not part of the branch. And if you cut into the collar, you're going to harm the tree. So if you want to get rid of the branch, you have to cut it past the collar. And I did a little tiny bit of research, and this is where my, my education kind of stops, because I just I was like way beyond anything I could do. They were talking about xylem and phloem and all this other junk, and I was like, I, I don't want to go there. But there are vessels and cells in that little branch collar that cause the transfer of energy and the flow of liquids and the flow of sugars, and it is what brings life to the branch and what brings life back to the tree. And like I said, if you cut into the branch collar, you end up harming the tree, and that's where the, there could be harm to the whole tree. Um, but there's something that goes on there in that section, that branch called the way that God designed it, that it connects. And it, it, the best way to say it is, like Jesus said, the branch abides with the tree. And, it, and another thing I learned, not from this study here, but when I was in Bible college, because we had a guy that preached on this service, I mean on this passage of scripture, is what we call the trunk of the tree can also be called the vine of the tree. And then the branches are connected to the vine. And so that's where Jesus has this idea. That some people say, well, this is actually a grape that they're talking about. We don't know. He just simply said he's the vine and we're the branches. But the reality is, the way God works and the way God has created nature is when the branch is connected to the tree, there is a connecting tissue that makes them one. And as long as that branch is connected to that tree, it will continue to grow. And if you don't cut it away or damage it in any way, it will get larger. And if you look at it under some of these trees out here, you'll see larger branch colors that are an inch or two inches in diameter because the branch has grown. And as the branch grows, this is the thing that it was in my brain. As the branch grows, the branch is able to sustain more weight. Okay? So if you look at this picture right here, We've got this tiny little twig growing out of the side of a tree. It's probably going to get cut because it's probably not something that's going to be beneficial to that tree. It probably needed to be cut. But if the person who owns the tree and who's mastering that tree wants to let that grow, then they nurture it, they allow it to grow, and it's going to get bigger in diameter. The the branch collar is going to be stronger and heavier around the base of that branch And ultimately, it would be possible for that tiny little thing to grow to the point where it could have a harvest of fruit hanging on it. 
Say this was an apple tree. Apples are heavy. And if you have three to five apples hanging on a branch, it needs to have some pretty stout support when it's connected to the tree. Now, if God were to ordain that that tiny little twig had to even hold one apple, at this point in its development, it would damage at the branch collar. It would tear away and end up, ultimately, the branch would be separated from the tree, naturally, just by the weight of the fruit. But God, in his wisdom, doesn't design trees to produce fruit until they're strong enough and durable enough to be able to produce the fruit. My mother-in-law planted a grapefruit seed in a pot, and she kept that thing going for 15 years, wasn't it? Until it finally produced one grapefruit. Now this was an inside grapefruit tree that she kept in her house. For 15 years she nurtured it. And finally after 15 years she got a fruit. And she ate it and it was good. Now. The point that I'm trying to bring in in all of this is. If we allow the branch to develop as it's supposed to. If it continues to, in a healthy way, stay connected to the tree. If there isn't any decay that happens in this fork where the collar, I mean, where the branch connects with the, the vine and there's a chance for decay, for, for uh, insects, for anything to happen in there, or damage because of too much weight. As long as that doesn't happen, then this can grow and grow and grow and get stronger. And ultimately, possibly, depending on what the type of plant it is, it could have a huge harvest of fruit. But see, in our heads, now bringing it back to me and my relationship with God, I want to have a harvest now. But I don't know, but what maybe I'm only a half an inch in diameter as a branch. And I can't handle the weight of the harvest yet. So my job, my responsibility to God is to continue to nurture where this branch collar is in my relationship with God. Making sure that I stay one with him, abiding in him. So that there is no disconnect, so that there is no disease, so that there is no infestation from vermin. So that the end result is that ultimately I can become strong enough so that God can bring about a harvest through me. And God can work with me and nurture this. So that eventually, whatever God's purpose and plan for me, it may be that I'm just decorative. That I'm just supposed to provide shade. It may be that I'm indeed going to provide 20 or 30 apples during my time of life. I don't know what God has planned. But my job, my responsibility as a branch is to remain abiding, connected to this. But the thing that is so cool, and this is the thing that that I wanted to stress this morning for us. Remember John in his letter said that we are to abide in him so that when he comes, we don't have to hide from him in shame, but we can greet him with confidence. What happens in this relationship with this twig, this branch, and the tree? Who forms the collar? Does the twig form its own collar? Or does the tree form a collar around the twig? Remember I said at the beginning, if you cut into the collar, you don't harm the twig. You're killing the twig. You're taking it off. 
but you harm the tree because that collar is actually part of the tree. And so what I saw in that was as I'm trying to abide, as I'm striving to abide, God, the tree, the branch, Jesus said, I am the vine, the branch, the trunk. God wraps around me and grabs a hold of that connecting point and says, I gotcha. I gotcha. I've gotcha. Now that doesn't mean that I still don't have responsibility, but it does mean that it's a symbiotic situation. That God bless, God blesses me and God strengthens me and God protects me, but God is also receiving from me. Because as his child, he receives joy and, 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 and my worship and my love, but he also sees advancement of his kingdom because of me. And so that's the thing that I, I said was, I told the worship team earlier, um, one of the s- lines in one of our songs, and now I, I didn't write it down, so I can't think of it now, but one of the songs is, oh, I know who holds the future and I know who holds my hand. When my kids were little, we would walk across a parking lot And I never told my kids to hold my hand. I told my kids, let me hold your hand. There's a significant difference. If I stuck my finger out and told my two-year-old, hold on to my finger, there's a chance that their grip could slip and they could get away from me and they could be harmed. But if I say, I'm holding your hand and I'm not letting go until we get across this parking lot, there's no way my two-year-old can pull their hand out of my grip. I'm too strong for them. So I'm protecting them while we go through the dangerous area. And you see the difference? And that's exactly what I see in this. God says to me through the, through the apostle John, I command you, abide in me. But as you are abiding me in me, I will surround you with me. I will hold on to you. I will give you the strength that you need so that you can develop in a healthy manner. So that you can grow and mature and come to the point where ultimately you will fulfill what I designed and intended for you from the very beginning. It is a joint thing between God and me. So now when I sit down to read the word of God. Now, when I sit down to journal, now when I try to pray, now when I choose to get up on a Sunday morning and go to service, or when I choose to come back on Sunday night to go to Disero, because I want to be part of that, I'm not doing it out of a sense of responsibility or guilt or, oh, I got to do this because if I'm going to be a good Christian, I got to do this. No, now what I am doing is I am finding ways to nurture my abiding. And I don't have to feel guilt. And I don't have to feel shame because the whole point of this, as I'm doing this, it's no longer a drudge for me. It is a joy for me because as I'm abiding, I know I have the ultimate goal in mind that I'm going to grow to the point where eventually God can use me in a powerful way. And until he's able to use me in a powerful way, I'm going to continue to just abide. Because only he knows when I'm big enough and strong enough and healthy enough. To be able to do that which he needs me to do. But until that time, I'm just going to keep abiding. I'm not going to separate. I'm not going to allow anything to separate me from God. But at the same time, I can know with confidence that he will never leave me. He will always guard and protect me. Always take care of me.
And so, the last picture I want to show you guys is the one that's been in front of you all morning long. You probably haven't noticed it, but look at the branch. The branch is holding on for dear life, but smiling all the way through it. You see the little face? It's just underneath the two leaves. Can't see it. You'll have to look at it later. But I loved that image when I saw it. I was like, yes, that's it! That's abiding! So I pray with you this week. I'm going to ask the Lord to help each one of you to find what works. To find the best way for you to abide. Whatever that looks like. However that works. But you be intentional about abiding this week. However God calls you to do it. Let's pray.